doesn't matter whether you're a leader or new to the Lord. We all have got to fight the battle, the good fight. And so with that, you know, for myself, just to share a little bit, um, there has one of the things that I have just been fighting for um, a while, uh, off and on, has just been the darkness and the heaviness. You know, days where you just, you don't want to get up. I only share this with you because I want you to understand that I'm no different than any of you. Whether it's our pastors or elders or deacons, that we are all the same and that we need each other. And it is so important for us to assemble together as a body and as a family on Sunday to be encouraged by the Lord and by his word. And um, Earlier this week, you know, I just had gotten up that morning, and it was one of those mornings I made myself get up. I'm getting up, and I'm going to go pray, and I'm getting in the word. And I just was sitting quietly before the Lord. And, you know, when the enemy comes, you know, he, he tries to make us all feel like we're just losers, doesn't he? You know, he starts in our mind, and he wears on us, and wears on us, and wears on us. And I just sat quietly before the Lord. You know, and sometimes when we get in that mode, you know, we too, because we're listening to that, we begin to feel condemned. Lord, have I done something? And the Lord so gently spoke to me. He said, come up close. That's all he said, just come up close. So that's what I did. I came up close, and I just sat with him. And, you know, I, I didn't say anything. I just sat there and cried and just let him love me because that's the foundation of all of the messages that come is that, we have to understand the character of Father God. We have to know him and his nature. And we're not going to know him if we don't know this word. And, you know, I got up on Thursday morning, I think it was, and Sean Wilder had sent me an email and said, you know what, Pastor and I have been talking, and Deb, would you like to bring the word? And, you know, I'm, I, when the Lord wants me to do something, I obey. And I said yes, and then I was like, Lord, what am I going to, what am I going to bring you? Because we all have stuff that's, you know, stirring in us, but I don't want to just come up here and just say anything. I want what he wants to say. And so I have been in the midst of a lot of quiet. The Lord gave me one word, one word, and I was like, okay, so I, I went to that story, which I'll tell you about in a minute. I read that story. I know the story. I love the story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But he wasn't giving me anything else. I'm like, I, I, I see where you want to go, but, Lord, it just feels kind of dead. And, like, I don't know what, how, do you want me just to read the story to them? And finally, this morning, after a sleepless night, thinking, Lord, am I going to have to go to my pastors and say, I can't bring the word. I have nothing to say. And the Lord finally this morning began to show me what he really wanted to speak through this story. And you know, the Old Testament is filled with treasures. You know, just like last week when Brother Sean shared the story of Esther 
what a beautiful story and what a beautiful outcome. But, you know, the people of God had to go through a terrifying time because they thought they were all going to die. And it's not unlike many of the stories that we read in the Old Testament and in the New that suddenly we look up and the enemy is coming from every direction and it looks like nothing but destruction. But yet the Lord has a word. And in that word, he's always victorious. Because God continually is speaking his word. You know, we all have natural sight, but we have spiritual sight too. Did, did all of you know that? And God wants to give us 2020 spiritual sight so that we see clearly into the realm of the spirit, so that we're so sensitive that we, we hear every move he makes. And we're only going to be able to do that by spending time in the word because we know that the word is the testimony of Jesus. By praying, and sometimes we have to fast like we just did. And, you know, I didn't struggle with the food part of the fast this time. I have before, but there were other things that I struggled with. But you know what? The Lord looks at our hearts, and he doesn't count the failures. He looks at the times we said, yes, Lord. And we get up and we make a mistake. We wipe ourselves off, get the dust and the dirt off, and we step again. And we may fall flat on our face again, but he just wants us to keep coming and keep trusting. So this morning, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to talk about Jehoshaphat today. I love this story. Now, I knew part of what the Lord wanted to say because, see, being in leadership and being on the worship team, sometimes we're a little more privy to some of the things that the Lord is speaking. And, you know, when we come here on Sunday mornings, our hearts, you know, it's just like David said, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Did you guys realize that praise is a weapon of warfare to defeat the enemy? That every time we bang the, the uh, tambourine, I started to say trampoline, that too, the tambourine, and Kathy is playing the keyboard, and Judy strums the guitar, and you're dancing. Those are all weapons of warfare to destroy the enemy, to make way for the presence of the Lord, that the glory of the Lord can come in and inhabit our praises. So let's read. Uh, I'm going to get my glasses really quick because <coughs> just might need them. Starting with verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Amorites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, let me give you a little background. So, Jehoshaphat's father died. He takes over the kingdom of God. And in his heart, he purposes to follow the Lord. And because of that, the Lord has blessed him. And not just with wisdom, but with great wealth. And his army was vast. In fact, as I was studying yesterday, 
he had five commanders that there were actually over a million men under. Now, that's a lot of men prepared for battle. Yet, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's go back to reading. So there's peace in the land. There's, you know, favor. They're blessed. And suddenly, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, which is En Gedi. Now, it must have been a pretty massive amount of men coming against them because you think five commanders with a million men of war underneath them, that's a lot of war power. Yet, we find out here that he, he gets a little nervous. And he's afraid. And it says in verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now, kind of we're hearing kind of a, another similar story. Last week we talked about Queen Esther, and she proclaimed a fast to save the Jews. So has Jehoshaphat to save his people. Um, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O oh Lord, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abram, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in the temple and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Everyone, all of the children, all the women, all the men, all the warring men, everyone came to the house of the Lord, and they stood before it with their eyes set upon the Lord, and they cried out to him, Lord, what shall we do? Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, 
but God. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the witness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And what did the king do? Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Can you imagine what it must have sounded like? The rumbling that was coming from that place, the praise and the worship, because they knew that God was for them, he was not against them, and that he was going to make a way. How many times have we been in the midst of our circumstances, our trials, our battles, our warfare, and we did not see a way out? Queen Queen Esther, she didn't see a way out. She was trembling, though she had spent three days praying and fasting, not even having food or water. Yet she knew her God. And she said, I'm going before the king, and he may take my life, but so be it for such a time as this. And I say to you today, for such a time as this is today, this is not a time, again, we've been hearing this over and over and over and over again. See, God is a God of strategic planning. Nothing goes by his sight. You know, even in the White House, they have a war room. We know that because we see it. We've never been there. We've seen some pictures. But not everybody gets into that war room, do they? The president, the highest generals, the vice president, the secretary of state, only the very elite and the trained are allowed in that room. And I tell you today, that there is a war room that you are being invited to enter in in these days. Not everybody will enter into that room. See, it takes someone who spent time with the Lord. It takes people who know the character of their father and his nature and his heart. And we can't know that if we don't spend time with him. If we haven't waited silently, just like Terry was talking to about us earlier. And Terry, I want you to be sure and share that other scripture. When we wait upon the Lord, sometimes he's quiet for a while. But if you're patient, he will give you direction in what to do. And he will show you how to go into the battle and what weapons to use. He's strategic. He doesn't just do anything offhanded. There's a plan in everything that he does. So let's go back to verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohenites And the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel. 
with voices loud and high. They began to just shout, Hallelujah, praise be to God, for surely he has heard our cry and responded, and he is going to save us. So they rose early in the morning. This is the next day. Now remember, the Lord said, don't do anything. I'm going to do it. Now, sometimes there are things that we use in warfare. You know, our ways are not God's ways. And sometimes our thinking isn't like him. Now, if I was to tell someone in Washington, D.C., that the way we're going to win this battle is we're going to praise the Lord and sing hallelujah, now they would think I was a nutcase unless they knew the Lord. But see, we know that this battle, God wanted to get the glory for. See, God is not going to let us, as men and women of God, take any glory away from him. So the battles that we find ourselves in today, personally, corporately, in our church, in this region, in our nation, we are in the midst of a battle. But God has a plan. God has a plan. And he is already victorious. We sang this morning, he is already wearing the victor's crown. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Boy, that's a key right there too, men and women of God. Not only believe in the Lord and you shall be established, but he even says, believe his prophets. When we believe the prophet of the Lord, when we hear the voice of the prophet as she or he comes to speak in our midst, and we believe it and receive it, God says we're going to prosper. That's a spiritual law. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. So here they come, marching up the hill, praising the Lord, exalting his name, and they get to the top of the hill, and lo and behold, there isn't a living person in the valley. Not one. They never even stepped foot on the battleground. All they did was seek the Lord, they fasted, and they prayed. And then they praised him because he said, I'm going to save you. I have heard your cry because you have set your eyes upon me and I'm going to draw near to you just as the Lord wants to do to us today. When we set our eyes upon him, regardless of what our circumstances are, our sight becomes clearer and that passion within our heart becomes stronger and it drives us forward to do and to accomplish all that he's planned for us to accomplish. We know that the word of the Lord is powerful. 
It's the most powerful weapon we have. When we declare the word of the Lord, it goes out and it continues to perform all that we send it to do. His word says it never dies or falls to the ground. Our words are powerful. That is a strategy right now, declaring the word of the Lord. Declare the word of the Lord. Ask the Lord, Father, give me the word of the Lord, your scripture for this circumstance that I find myself in, because you have already told me that you wear the victor's crown and that I'm an overcomer in you. And so what would you like me to speak into this circumstance? Because I'm not going to believe or receive the lies of the enemy because he comes to twist everything. He gives you a little bit of truth and a whole lot of lie. And sometimes we believe it. But the word of the Lord today is you do not have to receive anything that he says because you're children of the Lord. And he says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And they listen not to another. So you can say to yourself, nope, that does not sound like the nature of my father. I'm not going to believe that. I nullify that in the name of Jesus. And the truth of the matter is that he says that I am highly favored and that I have the kingdom of God in me and the kingdom of God there is no lack. So if there's no lack in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in me, then I don't walk in lack, body, soul, and spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, set ambushes. Okay, we got that part. Sorry. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. They, de- they destroyed each other. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were only dead bodies fallen on the earth. Not one enemy had escaped. Not one. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves. It was so much they couldn't carry it away, and it took them three days to gather the spoils of the enemy. Three days. That's a lot. Then they, in verse 27, then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. So, there's three things that we want to talk about here. (coughs) Excuse me. 
sometimes we look out at our life and our circumstances and it looks like the enemy is getting ready to plot a crushing blow to us. But if we look at the story of Jehoshaphat, he had a great victory, greater than anything he ever experienced in the entire reign over Judah and Jerusalem. The promise of the Lord should be a comfort to all believers. That promise and the promises of his word, where he says, do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but it belongs to God. Now, this account reveals three key elements to us that put God's people in the place for deliverance. Thank you, Jude. The first key is found in verse 3. It's fasting. Fasting was one of the keys to release the deliverance Judah experienced. And it was a proclaimed fast. So the king, Jehoshaphat, went before all of Judea and Jerusalem, just as Esther went before her people and proclaimed a fast, just as we did last week. Now, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like anything's happening. But the Lord tells us, as mature Christians and children of God, that we don't, we don't go on our feelings, right? Because there are days, if we relied on our feelings, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But the Lord says to stand on every word that proceeds from his mouth. Right here. The word of God. If you will seek him, he will give you the word to declare over your circumstances that will break the back of the enemy and tear down the walls that he has built around you to keep you captive. God's here to deliver us in this season. So fasting, I don't want you to look at fasting as a tool that we manipulate God because that is not what it is. We don't manipulate God to accomplish something that we want. Fasting is merely an outward indication of an inward sincerity, evidence of the urgency we feel when praying for special needs. See, when we decide to fast, there's an urgency. You know, sometimes it's not easy to go without. But how many times have we heard the Lord say, sometimes things only change when we pray and fast. And that's what we've just done. That's right. And we don't know what we as a corporate body have just accomplished in our three-day fast. But you can stand upon the word of God because he said, if my people will seek my face and they will humble themselves before me, I will hear them and I will heal their land. And did we not in those three days cry out for this nation 
did we not cry out that once again this would be a nation under God, no longer divided, but one? Did we not? And so I believe we may not see the effects of our fast today, but I promise you, God is not a man that lies. And we will see the effects in our lifetime of unity coming once again to this great land. It doesn't matter who is leading, because honestly, God is leading, not man. Um, I just want to quickly turn to uh, 1 Samuel. Um, chapter 7. Because I just want to give you another example. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted a day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Once again, here they are getting ready for a battle. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Once again, men the men and women of God sought the Lord, and he answered. The second key that was important to Judah's deliverance was prayer. The prayer of Jehoshaphat here is reminiscent of Solomon's prayer in chapter 6 and in 1 Kings 8. Perhaps it might even be based on 1 Kings 7:14, verse 12. And it gives the essence of the prayer of holiness. For we have no power, nor do we know what to do. But once again, our eyes are on you. The cry of God's people in the darkest night of their experience is, Lord, I don't know what to do here, but I'm counting on you. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond to this situation, but my eyes are on you. And I'm depending on you. How many times have we said in this past year that so many of our lives don't look like what we thought they would look like 25 years ago? They look a little different. But see, we have to be willing to lay our lives down. And we have to be willing to lay down our dreams sometimes and our hopes and our own personal aspirations for what God wants to do. 
if we just will humble our hearts and just say, Lord, all this other stuff, it doesn't really matter. Because what I have here does not compare to what we're going to have there. So as we lay our life down and we sacrifice our time and our money, and you know, sometimes it may feel like we are working so hard and nothing's changing. But that, too, is a lie. Because God is for us. And he's prepared a way. And the kingdom of God is active and alive within us. And everywhere that we step, he says that we claim for the kingdom of God. And every prayer that we pray, he hears. And every tear that we cry, it says, he saves it. Nothing that we lay down or sacrifice is ever lost. But it is blessed and it is multiplied. We, the word says, I have not seen and ear have not heard what the Lord has prepared for us here and there. Faith is rooted in a trust in God's witness in Scripture as it's illuminated by the Holy Spirit. To grow faith, we must continually choose to receive and believe his word and become loyal to it. We have to hear it and then do it. We, God wants us in this season to develop 2020 spiritual vision by choosing to believe the absolute word of God from cover to cover, to rely upon our Father's nature, his character, and his promises. He is awesome. Believe the words of those who proclaim God's word. Trust the prophetic words that come in this house by the godly men and women. Trust the prophetic word that comes in this house. God said in his word this morning that when we receive the prophetic word and we believe it, we're going to prosper. We are going to prosper. Employ and believe in praise as mighty, effectual weapons of God. So the third and the final key in Judah and Jerusalem's miraculous deliverance is praise. By the way, the word Judah means praise. As the people of Judah began to sing and praise God with expectancy that he would fight for them and their enemies were going to be defeated. There are numerous Old Testament victories that parallel with this story. I'm going to tell you where they're at, but your homework this week is to go and read them yourself and see what the Lord would say to you. One story is Jer- the, the walls of Jericho in Joshua 6. How about Gideon in Judges 7? 
God is enthroned in the praises of his people. And whenever and wherever God's people praise him, he reigns among them and does miraculous things on their behalf. If you would quickly turn with me to Psalms chapter 22. just going to read a few scriptures. I'm almost done here. (coughs) Psalms 22, and we're going to read verses 3 through 5. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and they were not ashamed. I just want to read something that is in my Bible. I have these really neat kingdom dynamics, and um, I just want to read a little bit about praise. Although God is everywhere present, there is a distinct manifestation of his rule, which enters the environment of praise. Here is the remedy for times when you feel alone, deserted, or depressed. Praise. However, simply compose your own song and testimony of God's goodness in your life. The result is God enters. He comes into where we're at, and his presence will live and take up residence in our lives. The word inhabit means to sit down to remain, to settle, or even marry. In other words, God does not merely visit us when we praise him, but his presence abides with us, and we partner with him in a growing relationship. Let this truth create faith and trust and lead to deliverance from satanic harassment, torment, and bondage. In Exodus chapter 17, the revelation of God there says, The Lord, our banner. The Lord is our banner. That is our victory and our miracle. Forever he secures victory for God's people. Victory in spiritual battles comes as we rely upon the Lord to fight on our behalf. This is what it means to trust the Lord in battle and stand still to see his deliverance. Amen. You're welcome. Yes, Yes, you may comment, please. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Um, of course, we all know we serve the same God today as, what, as the God she was talking about in the Old Testament, and he's just the same. He's faithful all the way. And my mom was born in 1906. She's gone now, so she would have been about 11 years old, I guess, during the First World War. And I can remember her telling me, because we sat and talked a lot about the Bible, about Bible prophecy, about things that were happening. She was a 
really good Christian woman. She said when men, when our soldiers were coming home from the First World War, there were many of them that were reporting they actually saw, visibly saw angels fighting on our side. Amen. So I thought that God wanted me to share that. I don't know if any of you have heard that. Have you any of you heard that before? Yeah, so maybe somebody didn't, so I felt I was supposed to share that. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. That's a wonderful story. I'm an exhorter. Oh, wait, for the tape. That's a wonderful story. You know, there's an interesting statement uh, in uh, Exodus, which to me it took a little time to really fully grasp it. But Moses is speaking the word of God to the people in the wilderness. And the people are listening. Okay. Now, the interesting statement is everything you say, we will do. And then we will understand. Mm. Now, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, trust and faith doesn't always, in fact, most of the time, we don't understand. But we believe because it's obedience. And it, and for a while, it, it just took me a while to really understand, you know, fully what that meant. Because you would think it would be, well, now we understand and we'll do it. But it's not that way with the Lord's the way the Lord works strategically. He just wants us to do it. It's like Nike. Just do it. You know, just do it, and then we'll understand when we see it play through. So that's a good word, and thank you for that, and thank you for that story. Wonderful story, and there are many of them like that, where always God confused his our enemies. Because our enemies were his enemies. And they were the same enemies, so he was just—he was that million and first person that was in that army. <laughs> so, thank you.